I do believe you will find this is more than true. Fly Away Home Carl Jung was always looking for the island, for places unexpected, yet he ran away. Yes, it had disturbed him, but it gave him a taste for the weird and what some would call the unbelievable. But are not all things weird and unbelievable when first they surface in the conscious mind? That is the purpose of the unconscious mind, to act as an advanced system, to herald in the new and link with the past. This was what Carl believed. It came to him in a dream. Admittedly, it could create discomfort. So he peered out of the window of his zeppelin at the outcropping of islands dotted out of the sea. He would land there. He would bring to the people of these islands a sense of the universal. He didn't stay long. It wasn't the place for him. He was like a fish denied water. When he flew away, he was a little dejected. The people of the islands were a well-adjusted people and they had no use for him. He wasn't asked to leave in so many words. They were a welcoming people, hospitable. But he knew he wasn't needed there, and so did they. So he headed to a larger island, Manhattan, where the people were savages. They embraced it. They clung to the worship of power signified by the movement through the populace of a manufactured value system. The most powerful representation of this being money that folds. There was a higher denomination, credit, but this was at first beyond his spiritual understanding. The people were valued by the amount of money or credit at their command. Those who toiled the most were the lower class, and those who toiled the least made up the higher. They lived lives of separation. They disgusted each other, truth be told. Few points were held in common other than in rhetoric. Certainly there were those in the lower class who worshipped the higher, and those in the higher who told stories of the ruggedness of the lower or a select among them, who they would often point to as their own origin, without basis, often. And both were interested in Carl as a stranger. They each wanted his validation, valuation. They all wanted a piece of him. Mr. Young, I have a brand of toothpaste. Mr. Young, kiss my baby. Mr. Young, together we could go far. Think of it, think of it. People trust you, Mr. Young. That's not without value. And he did what anyone would. He hid. Yes, it was in a luxury apartment. Yes, it was with frequent trips to the hot spots, the best of this and that. Yes, he gave out autographs like it was raining Carl. But for the most part, he was in hiding. To keep a bit of himself to himself. He was a private man, a corporation unto himself. He did take clients, 
in his penthouse. There was a matter of the bet, after all. Can't forget the things which are important. And weren't we all playing bets here on the island? Put your dollar down and hope for the best. The house wins. The house always wins. Better luck, mister. Blame fate or don't. It's your choice. Even not to choose being a choice, unlisted. And so he took clients to rack up points, and his fame grew. He took famous clients, it bolstered his name, and when he took regular clients, they were impressed. Because of the company, because of his name, the sense of place, pelf, self, he was a made man. He was in the best position to help people like him, the self-made man, people who came from nowhere out of nothing. Babe Ruth visited and was impressed. It was a big building, and he was really just a big kid, still fresh from the orphanage. And the doctor was a famous man. Babe was a famous man as well, but he never considered himself like that. He was just the babe after all. And he needed someone, a father figure maybe, who he could talk with. Not like the guys in his league, great guys, but he had some trouble making connections and the boss as well, they was bosses. And they were taking him to the cleaners he suspected. No, he was sure. But he didn't argue with figures of authority, he didn't realize his power dynamic had shifted in his favor yet. Babe rode the elevator to Carl's penthouse. First he was mobbed before he got in the building. Kids mostly, out and about, wanting autographs. Babe Ruth got such an autograph, wasn't even a matter of worth, they wanted a piece of the babe, part of his soul, for communion, and he was happy to oblige. This sort of thing made him late. He stopped wearing a watch, but found people willing to wait for him. So it was all reet brother. And he entered the spinning doors revolving inward and into the grand lobby. And the kids pressed against the windows outside to see the babe cross a room and disappear like in a terrarium, where living inside was hospitable while artificial. People look out to look in, pressed against the window, seen inside out. There were two elevators, both waiting for him. Identically attired attendants inside each, with one hand on the door keeping it open, and one hand waiting on the control to take him to his heart's desire. The ringers ringing against rhythm, people on other floors pleading for escape. The lights above the doors blink off and on in reverse. The rings were in. They both waited for Babe on the ground floor. Babe chose one at seeming random and stepped inside. As he did, an apologetic nod to the other, dejected. The disappointment on that operator's face projected into the faces of the kids pressing against the outer windows. Communion, disappointment, universal. Is it better to be appointed or disappointed? To be ordained or preordained? Does that matter? Who decides? First come, serve up. The doors to the elevators closed. Better luck next time. The faces on the windows faded away. Where to? said that lucky elevator operator, 
Up top, said the babe. Will do, said the operator. Wasn't nothing said otherwise. A ride up, uninterrupted in silence, and he was off. For the operator, it was over. Good day, he said. Babe mumbled something and walked off. The operator closed the door. Felt a little empty inside, after all. True enough. True enough. The penthouse was an intimate setting. The elevator opened up into a large library overlooking the park. A rope ladder drifted outside the window. Carl Jung was looking outside the window, down to the street, looking scared of his own shadow. He turned to meet the babe. Good afternoon, sir, Carl said. Same to you, mister, babe said. Carl held a tube of toothpaste in one hand, spun it around, twixt his fingers like a practitioner of the dark arts. What do you think of this? Carl said, revealing his hand. Ain't picky about paste myself, babe said. I usually just use what's around, roommates complain. Well, Carl said, take this then. As a small gift of appreciation, a token. Will do, Babe said. He pocketed the paste. They sat in the library and had a talk. They didn't relate well together. The doctor knew as little of baseball as he did about marketing. Babe knew nothing about the new science of the conscious and subconscious mind. They spoke on matters religious, Carl being a seeker unspecified, and Babe being a good Catholic. Going so far with it, he would attend mass even directly after a night of no sleep after parties and drinking. Carl spoke of his wife and his time on that island, his middle age insecurities and his envy of Freud and his rejection, the meaning or lack. Babe spoke of the time he slept with every single woman in a brothel one night because he was afraid to choose, and he didn't like to disappoint no one, Doc. His time at the orphanage, baseball, which was all Greek to Carl, at the end, they shook hands and parted. Not friends exactly, but friendly. To each his own, they were not to meet again. Babe went back to the dugout and told him all the illustrious Dr. Jung had declared him A-okay, swing and a miss. A good doctor knows when to admit he can't help, even himself. There were other famous visitors, Fatty Arbuckle, dejected regarding his fall from grace. To be accused and written off for something he hadn't done, and there was no correcting a tarnished record, even when a jury apologized to his face to make a greater point. He was talking about going behind the camera, under an assumed name, his own shadow. Assumed names were all the rage in the new show business. Theater, never having been a respectable profession anyhow, now it was limping toward respectability denied. It eschewed the scandal preferred the portrayal of a wide-eyed wholesomeness, squeaky clean, fields of illusion, for profit's sake, everlasting, amen. Change your name and hide where you come from. Change your name to hide where you've been. Change your name to hide what you are. It doesn't require explanation. Sometimes explanations are made up. A series of fictions which make up life. Personal histories. Who is to say what is of value? The actor or the observer? For who is the show constructed really? And why? And wherefore? This is why reports differ. Memories trail. 
paths diverge, to fold back later across lines or not. This is why the trope of the story told over by others is evergreen, a staple, matters of perspective. This is why Carl runs and keeps running away as well as toward himself. And what gets in the way may or may not be important, but it is still there, ever present, waiting in shadows. How Zeppo got up there is his own business. He was shrewd at business. The youngest of his brothers, the fifth Marx brother, billed as the fourth. He replaced his brother Gummo on the stage, slipped right into that part, his part, made it, fell right into place, interchangeable with those of his brothers each bearing a family resemblance. He was a better Groucho than Groucho, as Groucho was said to have said, but his character was to fit in, to be the man he was meant to be in the moment, any moment and to show the absurdity of that man, the conformity, the shallowness. He was ahead of his times. Few understood him. The suave actor Cary Grant before his rise to stardom modeled himself on Zeppo and after. The suit, the bow tie, the hair, that smile, the fitting in. It was where he wanted to be. And Cary felt Zeppo held that chaos together seamlessly. He made the group what it was. Remove Zeppo, and the integrity begins to crumble. And so Cary, whose name was Archibald Leach, became Cary Grant. And on screen, he was another man loved by all. And Zeppo moved through the room at the top of the world with awkward grace, being Zeppo. Being Zeppo, as only Zeppo can. Doctor, Zeppo said, do you make house calls? Sometimes, Carl said. Do you still ride your Zeppelin? Zeppo said. Sometimes, Carl said. I have always dreamt of that, Zeppo said. To ride in a Zeppelin, my namesake. This was a matter of contention. That Zeppo was named for the Zeppelin? He may have been, but how could he know for certain? It happened before he was fully formed. That naming of names, it is said also that he was named for a monkey in the circus, and he cried for his antics were monkey-like. And he was more a monkey than that monkey Mr. Zippo ever was, as he was a better grouch than Groucho, a shadow twin. It was a matter of timing, transcription, or that it was a name for a baby, Zepp, the youngest, the favored. He was an agent of change, free. Now, is there such a thing as free will? This is something Carl wondered as they climbed out the window and up the swinging rope ladder to the clear blue sky above. Is there such a thing as free will? Is there such a thing as free will, Zeppo said. It is a matter of contention, Carl said. And opinions differ on the matter. Depends who you ask. I have a strange story about it, Zeppo said. And it takes place in a jungle, not unlike this concrete one which surrounds us. I should like to hear it, Carl said, swinging in the air. Swinging in the air. You've been listening to a segment of Sigmund Falling Up, a short novel by David Raffin, read by the author. 
This was brought to you by davidraffin.com, your one stop for all your metaphysical needs. The music in this episode included Simulation Hypothesis, Line of Flight, and Someone Else's Memories by Revolution Void. Winner, Winner by Kevin McLeod. You may find more podcasts and the written word at davidraffin.com. Normal broadcasting will now be discontinued for an indefinite period.